Hello, welcome to Serious Introspection. I am John W. Fail, and this is an occasional audio podcast that I like to record just whenever I come across somebody who's interesting and we have time to chat. This week, I've actually been around a lot of really interesting and really great people because I've been in Graz, Austria, and I've been here as a participant in a work lab called Block That Chain, which is organized by Mur Ate, who are a net and culture initiative based here in Graz. Block That Chain brought together 12 participants, all with varying backgrounds in art, tech, and other cultural forms, and we're here to investigate questions raised by the technology of the blockchain. I was happy to participate, as since the Biathlon project went on hiatus last year, I haven't had anything to do with Ethereum or with blockchain at all, and I've really not paid much attention to that world. So I was kind of curious to see how things had changed, and also to see other perspectives and projects dealing with blockchain that weren't coming from the tech sector, the finance sector, the startup world, or the normal places where we hear about such things. So throughout the week, we had a lot of discussions, and there were guest speakers and other presentations punctuating that, and quite a wide range of viewpoints came out. I have to say I was really delighted by the amount of critical thought that was on display. I, I feel quite stimulated at this moment. I've been rethinking my own past work through all these different perspectives, and not just the perspective that came through distance and time as the dust settled. So I'm going to be leaving Graz with a bunch of new ideas for potential projects, and in lieu of actually trying to create some piece of conceptual or media art during this lab, I decided I would talk with some of the participants and put together a podcast here just to introduce some of their ideas and hear from a few different people what they were working on and how they think about things. Um, if you're interested in blockchains, Bitcoin, things like that, you might find this interesting, even if you're very critical of the technology, as many of us are. Uh, yes, so I'd like to thank the amazing organizers here at Murate for making this all happen, everybody who talked with me here, and all the other participants who I didn't get to interview in order for this podcast to be a humane lane. So my first guest here is Martin Schitter, who is one of the Murate organizers, uh, one of the, th I'd say, the three Murate organizer organizers of this work lab, and someone who I think has expressed the most skepticism about blockchain, yet nonetheless is still organizing this work lab. Uh, well, welcome, Martin. Thanks, yeah. And I guess I'd like to start by asking you how the decision to bring blockchain into Murate for this year's <laughs> program happened, and uh, how you dealt with this as somebody who was not particularly fond of the technology. Yeah, the problem is we had this decided two or three years ago, and uh, it's a password, so we were interested in it uh, as well as everybody else, uh, looking what's going on in, in technician nowadays. Uh, but uh, in the meanwhile, in this uh, two or three years in between, uh, I even worked for a commercial uh, 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 players which are uh, doing uh, blockchain Bitcoin mining in a professional and profitable uh, sense and uh, I had to change my mind about this whole topic and I, be I became really skeptical uh, especially about its uh, 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 the possibilities to use it uh, for art production and creative processes because most of the things are really uh, uh, more more targeted uh, uh, to in, uh, uh, for, for, for purposes of control and uh, uh, bureaucracy and authentication purposes but it, there it doesn't much uh, 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 it's not a tool which which allows much freedom to to make creative uh, stuff with it so in that sense maybe 
that would be even more reason to do the work lab to try to find some way to work within the blockchain to find freedom and to find some sort of um, openness or something that, that supports arts culture. And to me, it's 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 almost more about unmoneyed players than it is about art specifically, because there have been people doing art in the blockchain, as we saw a present. We watched a presentation about Kevin Abosh's project. Yeah. No, I'm 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 really surprised what's happening here and how all my pre uh, assumptions are, are, uh, are again a little bit. Uh, 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 criticized and I have to rethink things uh, and it's because there are really nice people here now and everybody has a complete uh, different perspective on the topics and and yeah it's 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 a really interesting situation to to see things different and rethink the whole uh, uh, topic but in fact um, there, there are also some uh, uh, borders between the different positions, so I don't agree with uh, uh, some kinds of usage uh, within the art scene, which is for me a very pragmatic one, and, and this kind of participation and, and just uh, establish another coin for uh, art-related uh, business isn't a an, an real uh, artistic uh, uh, answer for me. It's it's just a way uh, to, to play on the surface, but not to, to, to really uh, change things or experiment in an open uh, artistic uh, uh, way of uh, work. Well, a couple of times you, you specifically mentioned IPFS and some aspects of the decentralized technology world that were of interest to you. Yeah. As, as maybe as new paradigms mm. to explore rather than solutions. Yeah. I think in parallel to this uh, uh, coin-oriented and, and currency-oriented uh, use of uh, blockchain technologies, there are also some other uh, technical uh, uh, developments going on which are closely related to, to, to the blockchain, but which are a little bit more hidden because they are more interesting to technicians than to the common uh, end users. And one of them is uh, uh, distributed storage. Uh, 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 in the case of storage, it's really interesting because uh, it, it changed the way how you access information in the network. You, in, 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 nowadays, you usually access information in the network by, by having some kind of uh, pass how to find things. It's located on this server, in this country, on a specific machine, and in this directory. And in case of, of this uh, decentralized uh, uh, storage systems, you usually find information by just having a hash uh, which describes the content which you are searching for, and it finds the closest uh, uh, location where this kind of information is stored. And um, it's, it's a, a kind of paradigm shift which is really interesting. It's on one hand coming from these old uh, technologies used in for, uh, used to share files in the privacy uh, world, uh, but also used by the big uh, content delivery networks, which uh, uh, had to find uh, very efficient ways to, to share video professional or, or uh, uh, the, 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 the big uh, video content on the network uh, in a more efficient way. And, and, and somehow the, 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 the technician, uh, uh, the technology which was used for broadcast stations is now coming more or less to, to, to more common people and yeah, that's one of the interesting things. It interests me also because the, the distributed file system, it's an approach, it's one of the technologies coming into the decentralized web that doesn't seem so focused around this language of problem and solution. You know, everything is being presented as a solution for something, a solution for something that doesn't exist. Whereas it seems like 
IPFS is just a thing that we could shift towards. And it's not necessarily trying to fix any, there's not necessarily a problem with having files in one place, but there could also be imaginations, I can imagine imagination and possibilities of what could be done when it's not, as well as the usual um, free speech and you know, protecting against censorship and repressive regimes. Mm -hmm. So I, I also think that's, that's pretty interesting. And it's funny that there's two standards at the moment. There's the, you said the DAT one and the FPFS one. Yeah. And we may just get bogged down in the usual battle between licenses and development trains. And, you know, it's always the survival of the fittest in the software world, which yeah. is something that's sort of inefficient. There are lots of, of different frameworks uh, available right now, and uh, there's a lot of uh, 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 parallel um, uh, uh, rival and and uh, 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 concurrency between uh, different players. But in, and the, the really crazy thing is they are always inventing new ways to to speak about this whole thing, and inventing a new vocabulary uh, with all these tools, and and somehow you you, you always have to translate the different things to, to, to see the similarities and, and find a way through. And you're speaking about uh, the, the goals of these technologies. There, there are lots of hopes related to it uh, concerning uh, uh, anti-censorship and things like that. And I think that you always have to be a little bit skeptical if this really happens. What's more interesting is to, to, to watch these things, to study it a little bit and see uh, some uh, possibilities which probably will play a more important role of the few years which are uh, uh, not really visible right now. That's the, and, and that's even uh, the, for artists, that's, that's really interesting to, to somehow uh, get a feeling for this technology and see new possibilities which, which are not uh, uh, purpose oriented but uh, are still an open field to play. Yeah. I think my, my personal reaction to the, the blockchain idealism, because I was very interested in this one or two years ago, and I've, I've definitely become quite alienated by it, is that I've actually been driven to become more idealistic myself, except that the blockchain idealism has, as a reaction to it, I've actually kind of become more idealistic about the human change and structural and, and, and human behavior change, which can also be a way to stop uh, censorship and repressive regimes through actually trying to change those regimes rather than concoct elaborate technological solutions to work around them you know and and I don't I don't see a lot of evidence with that happening with the way the world is going right now but maybe all of the hype and the the fad of the blockchain has made me want to just shift my emphasis into how we live and how we communicate mm -hmm. and how we can actually reestablish trust and yeah and uh, and community which is something that's been very fragmented but uh, next year at Murate, the topic is going to be on autonomous systems. <laughs> yeah. And I, was, I don't know if this is a, a place that if you can reveal any of the secrets yet before the, the proposal's been finished, but if you'd like to talk about what your ideas are and, and how you might come yeah. out of the blockchain topic into autonomy as a different way of thinking. Yeah, no. In, in, in fact, we, we have to choose, uh, we, we are a small group here, and we, we have to choose some topic which we, which is this more, more or less the center for the next year uh, to concentrate the energies and, and to keep the things together and uh, invite people and, and work on, a, on, 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 on one specific uh, uh, question, in fact. And the last year it worked really well because we, we have chosen the word uh, or, or the topic of machine learning and that was really interesting because it's uh, a field where you have to learn a whole lot to to just understand it or get closer and 
at the end, uh, uh, it, it became a, 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 a whole group of people uh, uh, worked together and, and uh, realized an exhibition at the end. And uh, I was really fascinated that something came out which I couldn't uh, write uh, or, or propose on, on paper because uh, the, yeah, it, it simply worked uh, in, in, a, in a useful way. And for next day, it, uh, I, I somehow after uh, machine learning and uh, the blockchain really hardcore technical questions I wanted to have something which is which is more uh, related to practical questions of society politics and and human life and not only uh, uh, interesting to people which like to work with techniques and technical questions. So I, I first was thinking about individual versus society, uh, but after a talk with an old friend, uh, uh, which, one, which one I have done a lot of uh, media performances in the 90s, uh, he, he came with this topic of autonomy, because autonomy, if you translate it from its uh, Greek roots, has two meanings. On one hand, it's uh, the way how humans can um, uh, 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 decide in an emancipatory way for themselves uh, in, in, in the German word of Selbstbestimmung, uh, but it also uh, has another meaning uh, which uh, emphasizes the aspect of inscribed uh, inherent rules in a technical system uh, or in machines and things like that. So it's on one hand it's emancipatory, but on the other hand it, it's also a, a speaking about the, the, the counterpart of emancipatory aspects in technology that they also have inscribed rules which are intransparent and, and, and hardly uh, uh, changeable by humans. <laughs> and so it's an interesting thing and it also, uh, the, in the tradition of Kant, uh, uh, autonomy was always seen as a very important part of to understand the artwork and and its freedom or, or its uh, uh, that, that it's not strictly connected to use and uh, uh, um, somehow we, we the, the art was seen as a, a way to to somehow uh, uh, demonstrate uh, freedom to to humans and fulfill an indirect role to educate people but not uh, fulfill uh, direct goals like we usually use technology so it's 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 somehow uh, a play uh, 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 which from the artistic side is, uh, or in the, from the in aesthetic, aesthetic theory so it should be really close to all artists, but it, it, it could be um, uh, somewhere uh, a mediating uh, uh, topic uh, to, to uh, use, uh, uh, yeah, on one hand watching technology and watching art practice and, and bring things together which are usually um, uh, uh, not discussed in the in the same discourse, and, and one one crucial difference uh, is that the last two years working with machine language and blockchain, mm -hmm. those technologies are developing so quickly, being driven by the private sector. That probably by the time you wrote the proposals and got your funding and got the project together, the field had already changed quite a bit. Yeah, ex extremely. Yeah, in, in machine learning, you you hardly read anything which is older than one or two years. And but the the re real interesting thing is that there are uh, most of the 
most of the stuff you'll find are just demonstrating in a, in a very uh, unsatisfying form techniques, but not really playing on an on a artistic level uh, with the real possibilities of the, this technology. For example, there's one guy called Mario Klingemann, which I would really see as an artist of this new world, and uh, he's doing amazing uh, 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 things which, which, which really uh, play around a, a new kind of seeing or uh, machines which are somewhere in between photography and, 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 and painting. <laughs> and that's, that he's for me kind of artist which, which really has, the, has found a kind of sovereignty to work with these tools. But 90 or nine, more than 90% of, of, of stuff is absolutely uninteresting. I don't want to see any style transfer uh, things which uh, make Van Gogh pictures out of any video stream. That's totally useless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always most interested in how uh, art and culture can actually filter back into the worlds that it's either emerging from or it's critiquing. Yeah. I, I would doubt if many of the blockchain artists that are out there, like some of the work that's been done at Further Field or any of the things that we might talk about are, are ever going to be paid any heed to by the blockchain community because I don't think they're, we're, mov not, we're not moving in the same circles. You know, we're not, we're not attending the, the conferences or the, the seminars uh, and we're not getting the, the venture capital for it. So. Um, do you feel in machine learning, which is, is possibly a bit more under the radar because it doesn't have such an involvement with uh, finance in it, is there maybe some of the, the products that are artistic products of machine learning actually being embraced by machine learning scientists? Hmm. Hmm. But it's hard to answer. I, 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 that <laughs> but my, I, I, the, the field of machine learning is a really complex one, and, and the theoretical questions uh, related to it, uh, um, they have uh, the, the whole uh, field of, of uh, classical philosophical epistemology. Yeah, so it's, it's more transdisciplinary by nature than blockchain would be. Just yeah, exactly. Blockchain is it. really it's a kind of, of very purpose-driven uh, techniques. But in fact, I, I, my, my skepticism about the blockchain is, for example, there. Uh, for the last 10 years, we, we already have really, really good uh, technology, uh, good uh, software solutions to realize uh, decentralized authentication purposes. Uh, but in fact, if you look at the uh, uh, existing web page, you usually only find buttons to uh, use federation uh, uh, of, of aut authentication from Facebook or, or Google. And this doesn't have to be uh, like this in a technical way because this technology yeah. would allow uh, other solutions, but it's reduced to this very simple and unsatisfying practice. And uh, I think the same is happening with the blockchain. You, you, there, there are really interesting uh, uh, possibilities available to, to uh, make much more complex and, and uh, uh, um, satisfying uh, uh, experimental um, uh, 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 realizations of voting processes or participation processes or whatever, but you will you will not find it in practice. It, it's it's just fulfilling this very simple goal of uh, transferring money uh, uh, over uh, uh, traditional uh, borders and tax control by government and things like that. So it's it's totally driven by profit and and, and not uh, by any uh, emancipatory goals. In fact. Uh, well, that's my very pessimistic. No, <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. The, the idea of being emancipatory is at the root of everything that I'm looking for in, in culture and in mm. technology. 
and yeah, as you suggested, like decentralized identity models might be one of the few use cases I could see being uh, actually serving the commons and not serving private corporations or finance. But then there's automatically a nasty and ugly underbelly to that as well. Mm -hmm. And that the um, yeah, when identity becomes a necessity, then we definitely lose something. Yeah, but sure. I think there really this in, in practice we would already have this technology, but we have to think uh, why they are not used and and what other um, uh, 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 kinds of pressure are around to to, to somehow uh, 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 realize the domination of one or the other technology. And I'm, I'm not very optimistic about <laughs> the practical uh, uh, implementation of the possibilities of uh, the blockchain technology. Yeah. Any any final thoughts? I mean, it's the last day of the work lab. We still mm -hmm. have the rest of the day and, and tomorrow to present. But you said you you have been some pleasantly surprised with some of the. Yeah, the I'm directions really positive surprised. It's uh, it's but I, I really like it uh, to 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 uh, be together with other people and and uh, share uh, different thoughts and get in inspiration from others. And, and um, uh, in fact, I'll need a few weeks more to, to rethink it and, and uh, 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 get some consequences out of it for myself. But I, I'm, I'm really positively surprised. I'm happy about <laughs> the situation, yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for talking with me. Yes, yeah, thanks. So my next guest is Bailey Keo, who has come here from Berlin. And you're one of the few, I'd say, insiders in the crypto community, at least a little bit more than the rest of us, given that you have been working for a couple of years in marketing, often for a lot of crypto firms or uh, blockchain firms, perhaps, is a better, more broad way to say it. Yeah, ICOs and blockchain-based projects. Um, in terms of uh, having, I don't know, I figure like two years in this industry is almost like 10 years in another one. But I think what's really funny is, um, yeah, the marketing agency that I was working for actually, I don't know, it kind of seems like they just sort of hired me and then threw me into sort of doing um, a bunch of stuff that I didn't really understand or not really know how to do. Um, and then also for clients where I may not have understood their projects. And I think kind of how I ended up learning about um, blockchain technology and cryptocurrency was oftentimes reading white papers for these projects that I was working for and then realizing that they didn't make sense and then talking to my clients and they're like, oh yeah, we should we should figure that out eventually. Um, yeah. the, 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 the white paper has really emerged as this sort of thing you have to have and I don't know who actually reads them. We were looking at the Holochain one the other day and most of their white paper has little red sections saying to be done, you know, put more stuff here, get some references. I mean, it's like 40% of a white paper, and yet they've launched a company on it. You've probably seen even shoddier ones, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, no, I've written some, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I don't know, yeah, so what's crazy about how, like, the industry was, it was just kind of like everything that, like, you hate about terrible startup culture, where people are like, oh, yeah, this idea, let's just start it, and we'll figure it out later. And I don't know how the formula for the whole ICO project became just so structured, but from helping design a couple websites for it. It was just kind of like, I don't know, eventually got to a point, a plug and chug sort of way. I don't know, in terms of just like website template, put the stuff in there, kind of try to 
make their project sound like it makes more sense than it actually does. Um, I mean, these companies, would you, would you meet with them and they would explain their idea and you would have to kind of convert that into something normal people can understand? Yeah, so that was kind of like where, um, as a person who works in marketing, was sort of interesting. So um, there would be the pretty much end user, maybe if, if it was like sort of like a token that was meant to be used in like, um, like I guess like the ecosystem like of the company, um, those people aren't investing in crypto and haven't heard of it before. So kind of eventually you're just like, oh, I guess we're only marketing this to other crypto investors. So then you would kind of set up the project to make sense in that regard. However, I feel like a lot of people when they first got into the ideas of what you could do with cryptocurrencies and blockchain based projects was instead of trying to make them do one thing, they just try to make them do everything so it's like you can invest in this token and then you can use it for like these 10 different things that are kind of completely unrelated but this is still like a fitness company so it was this is just everything that i hate about startup culture but with tokens attached to it so you did you have to just basically take a position an, an absurd outlook just as like a coping mechanism to get through this work um like how, do, how do you continue to to give the customer your best effort when you deep down <laughs> you're kind of thinking this is a bunch of nonsense <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's a really good question. So um, I think everyone needs to have a job. I never shame people for having jobs ever. I need to have a job. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of the absurdity of it, it's just like at a certain point, if you're just targeting it to other crypto investor types, I mean, I think they can make the decision on which projects they want to invest in. And from the investor standpoint too, most of them just wanted to purchase the token and then sell it immediately once it hits exchanges. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That, I, I think it's beautiful if people find fulfillment out of their jobs, but I guess, um, yeah, having fun with it in any way I can is kind of cool. But also, it impacted a lot of my artistic work as well, so then I was trying to sort of find um, different approaches for how to use this technology for like good, um, for projects that actually make sense, projects that help people, projects that aren't just about money. So, um, yeah, it led me to sort of try to get more... Um, yeah, like women, people of color, and poor people involved in this space either in creating um, projects that use this technology or um, supporting more projects that benefit, yeah, not just straight, rich, wealthy white dudes who are running tech startups. Were any of your customers not white men? Uh, any of my clients? Yeah, um, clients, I should say. Yeah, and most of the uh, crypto projects that I worked with, um, in terms of the ones that my agency actually did marketing for, so pretty much the um, owner of the company that I worked for, he normally found our clients through um, his personal context connections and people who, who he communicates with, and that scope is pretty narrow. I'm not saying that there's not more um, cool crypto projects that aren't run by straight white dudes, but that's kind of who my, um, yeah. No, I mean, that's certainly the overwhelming uh, feeling I get from it is that it's men primarily who are enthusiastic about it. But, of course, there's certainly exceptions. But, yeah, I can see how that starts to become a bit <laughs> like dehumanizing after a while, just another cycle of the same thing and from the same type of people for the same type of people. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. After a while, sort of like I'm looking at different like crypto projects. I'm like, yep, all right, another one of those. Okay, cool. They are going to try to put the monetization of data back in the hands of the people. Yes, they're not going to really probably achieve it ever. Okay. So your project, Capitalist Reparations, it kind of came out of working in this as a bit of like letting off some steam or just trying to think of how could this be done differently? Uh, yeah, so Capitalist Reparations for me was just sort of, um, I 
kind of feel like um, oftentimes with um, the hours people work or how much people work, um, they're not actually being paid for the labor that they produce um, in like a fair and sustainable way. So this was just sort of like a project to try to siphon, um, yeah, like reparations from like, you know, the lack of fair pay out of the hands of an employer. So just to simply, because this is only like audio of it to describe what it is, it's um, you go to this website and it's very simple. And we'll put the link in the description, but you can say it, it is just capitalistreparations.com. Com, okay. yeah. Um, and then you'll have to turn off your ad blockers if you have them on, but then you'll see this little thing that says start mining, and so what happens is you start mining Monero. And the idea is um, to be viewed sort of as decentralized performance art. So once you start doing this, you're taking part in this sort of like performance. Um, but you're going to be using your employer's like electricity, Wi-Fi, if you use your employer's computer, your employer's computer CPU power um, to mine Monero that will be later donated to a charitable organization. It's a really simple project and it, we had some ethical debates about it though. I, I, I found it really beautiful, not just because it has the sort of artistic quality to it, but also because it kind of comes from this like long and rather undocumented lineage of people stealing time from their employers to create better <laughs> things. And I think that's wonderful. I mean, I know people, like I famously think about like William T. Volman's first novel, which he wrote in the 80s when you know the personal computer was not so widespread. He didn't have a computer. He worked some sort of data entry job. And then he actually slept in the office. He would hide in the bathroom when the janitors left. And then he'd be locked in the building by himself. And he would stay up all night writing this novel, sleep a few hours under his desk, like wash himself in the sink, and then work the next day. He did this long enough to bang out a novel. And I, I don't know, it, it definitely comes from a, a sense of the precarious, but also there's something really beautiful about it to me. And this is just like, in a way, like a very digital, modern, now way to do this. Um, we had some debates about the efficacy of it, which, you know, I, I think in a sense it's neither here nor there, right? I mean, you, you don't think this is going to make millions for any particular charity. No, no, it's kind of more of a conceptual work. Um, and then just to put more uh, clarity on, like, the ethics involved in it is um, you're trying to do something for good. However, we have kind of throughout our discussions defined mining as inherently evil because it's a part of the structure and it uses electricity for, um, I don't know, I guess, the end result being not super important. Um, and then I, just by simply saying that giving to this charity, and, and actually do you want to maybe even mention the charity? Because uh, that's a really nice Yeah, yeah, I'm going to actually nice take a quick look at it to make sure I'm giving all the proper information about it. Um, okay, so the charitable organization that is picked out is called the Detroit Community Technology Project. Um, and the reason why I chose this one first is because I was really happy with the way in which they um, distribute information. And so what they do is they set up, um, it's like um, mesh wireless internet networks. And I'm not super familiar about actually how that's done, but they do um, train people all over the world on how to do it. And they kind of put the power in people's hands to be able to set up within communities their own um, yeah, wireless internet networks, which I think is super rad. The parent organization is called um, uh, Allied Media Projects, and that's also based in Detroit, and they have a lot of really like wonderful charitable organizations um, 
if you are interested in looking to uh, contribute to different types of projects, I think that's a really great place to start looking. Um, and then what I wanted for the whatever running order of charitable organizations, if this project ever does make enough money to contribute to multiple ones, is to try to always have a focus on um, yeah, projects that will benefit um, women or people of color and also kind of have an edge about um, yeah, open source and open source knowledge and sharing knowledge with other people because I think that's just uh, yeah, a wonderful starting point in terms of picking out a charitable organization. For me personally, having been really motivated towards blockchain in my last project, not by the blockchain technology but by the idea of decentralization, which is where I started, I've now come to not really understand decentralization anymore or not be so sure about it. But talking with you and talking with Mastro, it's interesting in that both of your projects use the blockchain technology, but at some point there is a decision or a uh, governance. You are the one deciding at the moment which charity, and you will change. You will rotate the charity. That's the plan, right? Every couple months or yeah, once yeah. payouts are achieved. I still haven't reached the minimum payout yet, so that's why I haven't thought of a second one yet. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, ideally it would be a couple different ones. So yeah, you're right. I am completely curating that. It is all um, my decision. I mean, I think it could be something talked about if the project ever takes off the ground, which I probably don't see happening well, in a, a mean, genuine way. Don't sell yourself so short. Uh, you know, this podcast has an incredibly large audience, and <laughs> I'm sure my seven or eight friends who listen to it might be willing to start mining Monero for this charity. But no, it's interesting when you think about the, the artist, which is a, traditionally a very individualistic and often quite egocentric role, and how artistic projects, at some point, if you completely decentralize input and agency, at what point is it still art? At what point is there still artistic expression? And I'm quite interested in that sort of contradiction. Uh, it's one of the things that I think has come up for me this week. Is like, you know, as artists, if we really want to decentralize things, aren't we kind of, you know, at some point? It, it's just like saying mining is good or mining is evil. There's, it's a little. There's a slider between good and evil that you're always, you know, bouncing back and forth on. And I think centralization and decentralization. Most of the projects also, at some point, there's a board or governance or if nothing else, some startup who's launched the stupid token in the first place and deployed the smart contract. Yeah, I mean, I think like the idea of decentralization like just like sounds very, you know, like beautiful and something to aim to and something to strive to, but in terms of like uh, ways in which it's genuinely like working, I'd be hard pressed and like I don't know to come up with a couple good quality examples. But then also, yeah, in terms of like making art, oftentimes with more um, conceptual projects or technology-based projects that I've worked on in the past, people are like, uh, so what's the art part in that? And I'm like, yeah. I said the whole thing, look at the whole thing, that's the art part. And so trying to like, I don't know, have an artist like create, I think an artist could create like a concept that's decentralized and then the concept would be like the conceptual art aspect, but um, it's, yeah, trying to like, be able to do everything at once, I think, is a lot of pressure. So how has the work lab been for you? Did you have any expectations when you came here? Have you been surprised, disappointed, excited? Um, I had like a very minimal set of expectations when I came here. Um, a friend sent me the open call and she was just like, oh, you do stuff with like uh, um, blockchain and art. And so I was like, ah, this is a pretty good fit. That'd be nice. And um, yeah, I guess you're a main day job, it's really nice to kind of um, talk to people who are more interested in um, talking about like the philosophical components about what a future, if this um, technology gets massively adopted, will look like in the future. Mm -hmm. I think these are all kind of um, 
questions that I've been having and asking myself and being able to talk to people from a number of different disciplines, opinions, and like also age groups too has been really insightful for me. So I think for that, it's been cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the most diverse set of participants I've ever met, but it's, <laughs> it's at least spread out over a lot of different uh, ages and I think a couple countries of origin. I mean, it's a small group anyway, too. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, if you're thinking about like, um, I've been very much in like a startup scene with all people having very similar opinions about it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, one thing is that, uh, I mean, maybe to take a, an absurd perspective on why we do any activity, the I've always been most interested in, uh, in how people come together and why we choose to interact on some sort of intimate level. Like, what are the experiences we have that can't be commodified or downloaded? And in a sense, like the people you might meet through cryptocurrency or through your, your local football fan club or for just drinking at the pub, that's in a sense the glue that like keeps us going and like the human <laughs> experience. And arts and culture is often just generating some activity to find funds to bring people together to have these experiences, build these networks, friendships, often leading to relationships, marriages, children, and then more artists. I don't necessarily <laughs> see that as a bad thing. If, if, if we all had a work lab that was around the topic of what if you punched yourself in the face all day long, you know, and let's say that became the new craze and we had a work lab to discuss that, it might also produce as much value to me and just like how we have met each other and oh yeah, we did this thing about blockchain. I, I could see five years from now thinking back and being like, yeah, we talked about blockchains for a week and you know, that's nothing I really want anything to do with now. But I got to meet Yuri and I got to meet <laughs> Bailey and they're such cool people that I stayed in touch with. So those sort of, um, yeah, those human chains maybe are ultimately what's more meaningful to me. But I guess I'm a bit reactionary against the blockchain at the moment, I don't know. <laughs> No, I think that's like, yeah, a great way to sum up, like, why did we all take a week's worth of time, like, out of our daily lives and come somewhere to do something? And I think if, like, everyone's answer would be, like, because we wanted to just speak from our own personal perspective about these topics, that it would just be completely ridiculous. You could just yell into a podcast by yourself with no followers. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> your, I mean, your primary practice, you said, is as, as a painter, though. So mm -hmm. uh, is the Capitalist Reparations Project just a sort of one-off thing, or do you see yourself integrating this sort of technology into your work more coherently in the future? Yeah, so um, the, pro like the productive output from this work lab that I'm actually creating right now is um, the idea of um, what if there is a future where all the um, like processes of business, like payments, and as well as voting processes, like registration and actually casting votes, were all placed on blockchain. And what could uh, a politician in that sort of world or geared towards that sort of world look like? So I think oftentimes um, my conceptual stuff is typically rooted in technology. And also within my painting practice, um, all of my reference images are taken through online interactions. Um, for example, and then oftentimes, uh, yeah, when I do produce digital work, um, it's also kind of like centered around, uh, yeah, technology or how human beings relate through technology. For example, I did this one series of, um, yeah, I guess just figure paintings, and I would um, ask women, um, typically like, you know, either like femmes or non-binary people to send me a nude photograph of themselves, and then I would then paint it, and it's sort of like this like selfie for me, um, or just like sometimes I watch like young adults, and they'll 
their understanding of light and balance and composition is so superior to all previous generations. I think it's absolutely beautiful. It's like people are doing all these small little acts of art throughout their day, and I think that's absolutely incredible. So I just kind of wanted to sort of like take the nude selfie and put it in this traditional art context and paint it, and so then um, it can still be viewed as the same sort of like light balance, like, I don't know, use of space in this like art concept. So all my work typically does have sort of like a through technology interaction base around it. And I think in the future, I'll continue to produce more um, conceptual works. However, um, I do also really like painting. I don't know, I wanna do everything, why not? Right, like these startup companies with their ICOs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if we all invest in Bailey coin, perhaps you know we can fund all these things. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Many of them are. Um, great. Any concluding thoughts? No, 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 no. Um, yeah. Thank you for asking thoughtful and insightful questions and everything that you've also contributed in um, discussions has been super nice to think about. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks. Okay, my next guest is Mikhail Mastro-Totaro, who goes by Mastro for short, and he's representing a project called Konyangate. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes, right. It's um, a very, very interesting project that is attempting to use blockchain technology specifically to fund the art world. And I would actually just like you to explain it briefly to our listeners before I ask you any more questions about it, because you can say it better than I can. Okay. Uh, yeah. Konyangate, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an art-based uh, cryptocurrency project. Um, and the and it's it comes from a novel what I wrote, uh, 1999. Yeah, this is quite interesting. You've sort of found yourself thrust into the blockchain world by coincidence. <laughs> yes, it is a bit like this, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in this book, um, I describe the mining of Konjungate, and um, that's the one thing. And the other thing is. Um, that the main character of this book has the same name as the developer of uh, uh, Bitcoin. That's the very strange thing. He is also called Satoshi Nakamoto. Nakamoto, yes. And um, and, um, and and one of my artistic um, practice is that I try to tries to bring out. Um, stuff out of this book, of this science fiction novel, into real, into, into the reality. Um, so, and in, um, I think 2016 or so, I, I stepped into this cryptocurrency thing, because I was quite interested in the technology. So and it, it took you that long, even knowing that this thing called Bitcoin happened with yes. the guy named Nakamoto. Yes, exactly. And yeah. knowing that there were people interviewing I, you. I wasn't interested in, 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 in a, a cryptocurrency before. Did people think it was you? Were people asking you if you were the, the Satoshi Nakamoto? No, I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> nobody don't ask me. <laughs> nobody I'm lucky they don't ask me. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, 
Yes, and then I, I find out that the, the, the developer, the unknown developer, is, is has the same name and so, and mining and all this, this, this wording of this cryptocurrency stuff. Um, but in the, in the novel, Konyangate was a physical thing that was mined. Yes, okay. it was. It was a, like a, it was something uh, where you can get in contact with a special guy. So, so it was. It was. It had also a lot of uh, to do with with with, with uh, fate, mm -hmm. somehow, and 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 value, and all this kind of stuff. So I thought it would be nice to bring Konyangate somehow out of this book. And uh, yeah, during my time researching about cryptocurrency, I get in contact with some guys and I, f I found a developer and he developed it. Um, so now it's out and um, yes, that's the, that's the one thing. And uh, th it's not so easy to des describe Konyungate because there, there are more layers yeah, of this project. So one, one layer is um, is this thing coming out of the book? The other layer is that I want to produce a media art installation together with Sabine Meyer. She's a part of Machfeld, of my art identity, and it's also called Machfeld. And um, and the main idea is that that a, that a media art project produce value for contemporary art. So the installation has a, a, a master node, a special, like a special computer program um, in it, and this program is uh, generating Konjungate. And the generate, generated Konjungate should be uh, used uh, for contemporary art funding. The profit so from it. The profit out of it, yes, exactly. Uh, this is the one thing. The other thing is that we, that we uh, give master nodes to art organizations as a gift, so that they can generate Konjungate and it's uh, it's uh, fixed in a contract that the organizations should use the income of this master node to support contemporary art as well. And the first master node uh, was going to MUAT. Um, yeah. So one of the nice contradictions, I do think that good art should actually find contradictions and try to open them up and widen them, is that you are taking the blockchain technology, which is very much about uh, getting around regulations and having uh, not a centralized authority mm -hmm. and you're imposing the regulation that you know you can get a master node if you contribute the profit towards contemporary art. Mm -hmm. So in a sense you're, you're sort of challenging the, the libertarianism of blockchain culture directly with this project. Yes, somehow, yeah, that's true, yeah, that's, that's a good thought. <laughs> but then uh, any any person on the street can also start to mine and, and stay. Sure, everybody could, could mine. And it, there's yeah, of course, there's no enforcement. You can't regulate it because uh, it was very strange. Also, in the beginning of the project, that we 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 um, developed like the prototype of this of this wallet, and and my developer uh, posted on in GitHub, and some of his followers start immediately mining Konjungate. It wasn't released official and nothing, so. Uh, you know, it's 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 out of control. That's good, of course, in a way. And um, but because of these master nodes, it, you've attempted to create a balance. So the the sort of private interests of Konjungate and the the master nodes who are under contract to use it for art that should be a roughly equivalent share of the mining. Or is it not easy to control that necessarily? Uh, I think it's not necessary to control it yeah. because we, we pre-mined uh, 1.2 something uh, percent of, of Konjungate, so we own it quite a lot and we want to give uh, the organizations this uh, uh, amount, uh, this, this master node. So, um, 
And I think it's good if people uh, uh, participate in, 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 in this project, uh, even as a private person or whatever. And um, because it's, for me, it's a sign that they, that they support art somehow also, you know, mm -hmm. because they, 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 they stable the network, they, they help to bring this idea. Because you see Kanjigate itself as a work of art. Pardon? Because you see Kanjigate itself is a work of art. Yes. So even just by yes, staking I think it, so too, yeah, yeah. Because Kanjigate is, it's maybe it's it's yeah maybe it's like a like a sign for the value of contemporary art. You can you can you can see it like this also. You know, maybe yeah. I don't know. But um, but do you do you see do you feel that the entire thing is an experiment or do you yeah, have sure it is a and it's a, yeah. it, it's it's a very it's, yeah it's an experiment of course and it's very funny uh, for me it's very funny t to work in, in in such a scale because uh, normally I made a lot of installations for public space and whatever. Mm -hmm a lot of media art in the last, the last 20 years and uh, so it, this is the, the first time I think in my life, in my art life, that, that uh, um, how should I say, that, that I get a really big community somehow, they, they really believe in this project, you know, it's... It yeah, that, that, that was actually going to be my next question. I, I've noticed I, I, I just became a Kanyangate staker, staker, stakeholder yesterday. Congratulations. And I joined your Discord <laughs> channel. And I was, I mean, you have a community. You have a lot of people that are on board on this. It's not so big at the moment, but it, it, it is growing, yeah. And um, and they are all coming from the art background, or have you just no, found I don't think so. So no. there's just crypto I weirdos who I are I think like there are a lot of crypto guys <laughs> and, and investors also. Some of them are... are uh, 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 crypto investors and uh, yeah, it's a mixed up of people uh, and um, yeah, so it's quite interesting for me also this uh, th how y how you can uh, generate value, uh, what is value, why is it some why it has some value and stuff like this and also which which people are participating in it. It's hard to find out of course, but it's it's good that it is anonym of course, but. Um, yeah, so... Have you yeah. found any um, conflict in the, maybe the, the structural attitudes in this project between these different people? Because as an artist, you understand this is an experiment. You're happy sure. to see it go whichever way it goes, whether it succeeds or fails or collapses or explodes. I mean, you don't even don't, really, you're yeah, not concerned with that. I, I don't look at the price of that. But yeah. crypto people, maybe some of them, especially coming from the crypto finance side, might have slightly more of a sense of like, a linear pathway that a project can take. They might not be so open to this artistic exploration mode. Sure, yeah. Have you not, have you encountered any sort of like friction between them? But somehow they get engaged in this, uh, and and I try also tries also to 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 bring these thoughts into this community, you know, uh, because um, I don't look at the price or so. It, it you can uh, uh, you can trade it on on, on on several exchanges, but it for me it doesn't matter the price. I don't care about yeah. it. Yeah. At, uh, I care about the project and to bring it further, yeah, and um, yeah, but it's it's very strange uh, how people react sometimes, yeah, uh, how they want to push the project in in, in a in a specific direction and stuff like this, and this is also very interesting for me. Um, uh, yeah, how 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 is the reaction of these uh, people? Yeah. yeah, one aspect, one possibility of Kanyagate to me is that. Um, at least in my cultural circles, there's a very clear line between the commercial art market and the people mm. who are going to the big fairs and selling to collectors mm. and the sort of publicly funded art world, as I like to call it, which is what we're part of right now by being part of this work lab, mm -hmm. and um, art and culture that does not necessarily produce objects or, or commodities. And I wonder if Konyangate might blur those lines a little bit. 
if it, if it might you know make uh, yeah, just I as I an was, intermediary I was part structure. of this commercial art world somehow I have been presented at, at several art fairs and so and it's not my world yeah you know it's, i'm not common there and uh, i don't feel feel uh, comfortable there somehow and uh it doesn't change anything yeah because art has always uh, in the in the art hist 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 history yeah. mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's built up on, on on something, yeah. But it's it's not built up on value. So, so one idea was if in hundred years an an an, an uh, art auction, auction house uh, takes Konyagate, for example, yeah, then the selling of a, of a whatever of a Van Gogh would bring something uh, some value into the contemporary art, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. The whole value keeps in a in a special uh, uh, world, <laughs> in a locked world somehow, and yeah, there's also but a lot of ideas around. And yeah, during the discussions this week, this I think this Pedro who put forth the term techno solutionism, and we've talked quite a lot about this. The, mm -hmm. the culture around blockchain is always pushing solutions because mm -hmm. that's how the tech industry mm -hmm. tends to talk. And you know, th it's debatable whether blockchain is always the best tool to solve a problem or even not if the problem exists. Yeah. In the case of Konyangate, and, uh, th there's definitely a problem that art is difficult to fund and mm. it's becoming increasingly more difficult. Mm -hmm. Did you think of that as a problem you wanted to solve when you designed this? And did you think the blockchain was the answer? Or are you... I think the blockchain, yeah. I, I, I thought I, I was not uh, very happy with the, with the funding system, how it is now. And, and and they cut all the fundings all the time, and it gets less, less, less. And uh, I thought how, you know, I, I stopped uh, uh, speaking about that. I, I thought I have to do something. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is a possibility I can try out and make an experiment. Let's see what's where, where the things are going. And um, then this blockchain thing came up, and uh, I connect these two thoughts. And yeah, I think th the difference between um, like the Konyongate art funding system and the, and the normal uh, art funding system is that you c if you get some some a master node, the the funding gets more. That's mm. the diffi different because if I get a funding from an art ob object, I get uh, whatever three three thousand euros. Yeah, that's very nice, and I'm thankful for that. But <laughs> uh, I, of course, I, I need this money to build up my my my, my project, and then it, the money is gone. So. Maybe that's also a different difference um, that is more uh, um, no, that is more for, for that this is like forever not forever but yeah uh. as far as you know I mean the, the the web wallet's just been announced or just been launched today or the web wallet has just come out for Konyangata. Uh, the web wallet should come out today I, I hope we're still very much in the early stages of Konyangata, but there are quite a few coins in circulation already is, do you use the term coin or do you, are you trying to avoid calling it a coin? Is it okay to say coin? Uh, is it okay to? to? To use the term coin? To? Is Konyangate a coin, an altcoin? A coin. Yeah, is that all right? It is a coin yeah. somehow, yeah. It so is a token. It is a, a placeholder for value, yeah, maybe. And of the of the ones being traded already, and I've seen the, yeah, the they Discord traded community. traded already, yeah. Are you aware of any art that has been produced using Konyangate? Obviously, there's not a lot of monetary value mm -hmm. yet, but in, even in terms of a gesture or a sort of token, well, token's a little yes. word, but like, has anybody, as far as you know, produced art and then either sent Konyangate to somebody for the art or mm -hmm. tipped somebody mm -hmm. as a thank you? Has there been a connection yet between the coin and the art as you ultimately 
hope to see. I think f for me, this is uh, developed since uh, May, so we have since five months or so. This 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 uh, this core, the Konyangate yeah, core, the software, and and now we are we are entering a, a, a part where the software is it's 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 never finished. Software is never finished, but we can work with with it and. Um, I think now it's 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 the starting point of the project, somehow of the statistic project. So, but but we need all this 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 blockchain uh, technical schnickschnack uh, <laughs> for to to produce at least this artwork. Yeah, and there are a lot of ideas how you can implement art on the one side into the blockchain, in the Koningate blockchain, or use it to to produce art or, or stuff like this. And I think, yeah, there are so many different uh, uh, views on it at right now. Also, I get a lot of emails from, from people all over the world and they, 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 they want something, I don't know, they want to implement something or whatever. I can I, I can sell a lot of Konyungati if I want, but I don't sell it. And, uh, you know, it's quite strange what happened. And and uh, I think it should be open, yeah, for, for a lot of ideas and... and, and um, it had to be open for a lot of ideas, I guess. And uh, yeah, the best practice would be that, that you can use it like a tool. Yeah, Not and only a funding system also, because I have this idea, for example, that I, w I want to write, uh, write uh, a second uh, a, a second part of Machfeld. Yeah? Of the novel. Of the novel, yeah. And I want to wrote it, write it into the um, blockchain. Uh. So if people m uh, mine or, or pos, pos, pos it, so if they are lucky or unlucky, they can find the sentence of this book, yeah? And maybe this sentence is then more worse or not, I don't know. Uh, so this would be also a, a, an art project into on, on, on the Konyangate blockchain. So this maybe comes next, or, yeah. I have one, one last question about Konyangate, which is, uh, again, back to this, the governance of who makes the contracts with the masternode. Uh, mm -hmm. Are you, are you the central authority? Are you the dictator of Konyangate? Who decides no. which masternodes are allowed to be accepted? Is, it, is there no, a board? It's quite no, no, it isn't. Uh, that is also that, so the next one of one thing what we also want to create is a, like a foundation. Yeah, this, this using the Konyangate itself as voting. Uh, power? Using the Konyangate to bring it to the to the organizations mm. on the one hand. To and to stabilize the price. On the other hand, in long in the long time view, because the problem with Bitcoin, for example, is you you, you never buy a car or whatever or, or a table with Bitcoin because you pay today you pay ten dollar uh, and tomorrow ten thousand dollar mm. if you are. You know? So you need something to stabilize the price, and that should be the um, the, the thing what 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 um, the foundation should do. But you see this and, is like and a they, they should do it during art pyings, yeah. Mm -hmm. They should they should really uh, build up uh, a, a second second value uh, a second layer of value, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's that's maybe in two hundred years <laughs> we are there. <laughs> so um, yeah, the how has the work lab been for you? Oh, I yeah. really like just thoughts love on the last this work lab. I think it's a good. Yeah, a lot of ideas, I think, came up. It was quite interesting for me to uh, participate in it, and um, it was very ins inspiring as well, yeah. Uh, it's a good mix of people here, I think. Will, will you leave this work lab having changed your way of thinking or having a, a new idea or a new inspiration? Um, 
you can say no. Yes, it was. It, yes, there was a lot of input, <laughs> of course. Maybe I have to 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 to. Yeah, I have to think about more uh, uh, about all this input. But uh, uh, um, I take something with me, of course. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you very much for your time. And thank uh, you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, hello. And my next guests are actually two people, Goran Vashirovich and Yuri Smirka, who are here to talk about a new project they're developing called Noin, which is in some way, I think it's been a bit of the sensation of the work lab because it's encouraged so much discussion. And it's also been one of the most joyous parts of the work lab for me was talking about Noin and what it can possibly be. So uh, yeah, I'll turn it over to you guys to maybe explain to our listeners in just a few minutes what Noin is and what you intend it to be. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Hi. Um, yeah, so, should I start? So, yes, we had this idea um, years ago when we studied together and we lived together, we were sharing a house and we were joking about a lot of stuff and one of these jokes was, uh, let's, let's have a cryptocurrency where, where you can mine it by being non-productive and lazy and so on. And I guess this idea was then kind of snowballed and we kept returning to it and now we're here um, developing it further. Yeah, I would say I was uh, pleasantly surprised by the fact that our proposal was the most developed <laughs> from all the proposals, uh, even though it was uh, basically a collection of, uh, yeah, uh, basically, uh, uh, like, not so serious conversations with friends on this topic. Um, but it does, I think, touch on, like, a, um, on the question, like, how to do things differently with technology. So even though it's, you know, uh, funny and entertaining and I really liked talking to people about it and it was nice that it caused um, so many debates you know and that uh, that it tickled so many people's minds like what could we, could we do with this and oh we could do this and we could do that and um, it could be even more absurd in this and that way um, it's, it was a good good mixture of it all yeah and I, and I think that's that's it I think the idea has something about it that made us um, kind of return to it all the time. And then I think because, I mean, as I said, it started as kind of a stupid joke. We were, we were airbnb part of the house now and then. We got some money and, we, and I think I was, I had this idea, I was trying to convince everybody, oh, let's mine Bitcoin with that, let's put it into, into a miner. And then we were talking about these things and we were also joking about it. And this is someone made this joke. I, I don't even remember who was it. and. And then I think it, it kind of developed from a, from a joke. It's still, it, it's funny, but I think there's something about this idea of having um, basically anti-money, being paid for, being non-productive, not doing stuff, being lazy and so on. There's something about it that, that is, I think, conceptually interesting. So neither one of you had worked in cryptocurrency or blockchain work before? Or do you have a background in it? No, not at all. Um, this was, at that time, we, I mean, I guess I, I, I knew about Bitcoin 
I don't know, even way before we, we studied together. And, and then uh, we had this opportunity to, to kind of mine it, and I was like, oh yeah, let's do it, it will be fun, we're gonna, we're gonna figure out how, how this is done. And so obviously we never did it, because we were too lazy. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And the, the, the name Noin, was it no coin, I suppose, was what it started from, or just the general sense of inactivity is, is nothingness and nullity? Oh, yeah, it was for a long, long time, it was called the lazy coin, which is uh, uh, not as nice of a name. Um, so I think when we came up with Noin, which for me was always uh, connected to the German word Nine, and this uh, rejection, uh, of things, um, of activity, um, this I'd rather not type of thing. Um, yeah, uh, then it kind of picked up because it had this added aesthetic dimension, right? I mean, uh, the more you like, the more you joke about it, the more it takes shape, and then the more kind of attractive and entertaining the shape is, the more you talk about it. Yeah, it's it's a, I don't know when it was lazy coin. We were not as attracted to the idea because it was too lame. The name is too lame, and then we we're just, oh, whatever. It's not a good idea. <laughs> then I think Yuri came up with Noin, and all of a sudden, it, it became more interesting in a sense. <laughs> and it, it's it's another question because you're not mining negativity; you're trying to mine inactivity, and that's actually a, a bit of a distinction that I don't think about usually. But in all of our discussions this week, we've. I think I proposed inefficiency as a metric, and then there's been like, well, what is, what is negativity? What is doing nothing? What is, you know, we, it's kind of been decided that you should not receive knowing for just like putting your phone down. Like the, the test tomorrow is gonna actually, we're gonna have to have the phone in our pocket. We can't set it on the table. So there is a sort of distinction that you're trying to draw, which is absolutely absurd the way I see it, but uh, quite an interesting artistic conundrum as well. That wasn't really a question. Yeah, I think I think it's it's an interesting question, right? What what is inactivity, and you have all of these different, I guess, dimensions of it. We we're talking about non-profitability, non um, being ineffective, uh, non-productive, lazy. You have all of these different kind of uh, directions in which you can define. Uh, for me, most of the time when I think of it, it's some type of it's about. Um, uh, creating something that can enlarge um, areas of life that are not touched by, uh, let's say, capitalist value, right? Um, so anything antithetic to that um, would be of interest to me um, uh, in relation to Noin. And uh, this is, of course, um, tricky, but it's also kind of an obvious thought when you think about money because it's such a powerful device to incentivize people to commodify ever greater um, areas of life. And if we have, and this is, you know, all speculation, right? But if we have a device like that, why couldn't we have devices that kind of encourage us to take it easy, you know, encourage other people to take it easy, to do something opposite, to be um, different, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that that's the aspect of the concept where that makes it yeah, relevant in, in a way. I would say, I mean, obviously, we have a massive problem with production nowadays. 
that may or may not be tied to capitalism, but definitely very related to it. Uh, and just thinking about, I mean, it's, it's very conceptual, but having some kind of a incentive for people to not do stuff and uh, basically not produce as much. It's kind of, a, I guess, part of why, the, why, why this idea is interesting. The humor in this in this idea could probably actually be misleading to some people because it, it may just seem like a joke or a provocation. Um, it could probably be taken as quite a, a critical attack on blockchain culture. The, is that actually your intention? Are you seeing this more as an art project or more like a, a stunt or a prank? I don't think we see it. We, we don't have. <laughs> it's it's not. It's all of that and none, none, none of it. It's just we're just kind of trying different things, playing with this idea, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I like this. The attitude that um, of keeping the possibilities open at all times is can be very productive. I think, uh, especially in at like an early stage of a thing, and we'll probably see, see retrospectively uh, what it was. I mean, you yourself went through this process this week of talking about this, and kind of you saw how the idea like uh, grew, what it bounced off of, you know, what it like, which debates um, it inspired, and this is already basically the work of this project in a way, right? Um, and if it sometimes, if if it's at some point actually becomes, um, you know, an app that you could use, then it it will start to live a different existence. Then and then we can um, talk about that. But in a way, um, the reality of that potential situation depends on all these other, uh, you know, things that it was or you know is to to the people we work with I guess like I, I just I think I see it in this very um, colorful not I mean not black and white way but yeah, diverse way yeah for, for me it's like a, a joke and also um, an interesting idea something like conceptually something to that's interesting to conceptually kind of explore and play with and also I mean the more we talked about it uh, during the workshop I think the more I'm potentially interested in kind of making it an actual experiment and see what people do with it because I mean it, it sounded absurd at the beginning but as we were talking about it I was thinking well maybe I mean maybe it does make sense to pay someone to not do stuff and maybe this is there is value in that because I think actually everyone goes every day to situations where we want some people not to do stuff so you could have a currency to to achieve that I think there is value in that so seeing how people would use it if at all I think it would be definitely kind of a an interesting experiment. Yeah, I think it's quite nice to fight against this culture of productivity that's been pushed upon us, which is generally just encouraging us to work longer and longer hours for less and less pleasure. Even meditation has now become commodified through an app culture and generally just leads to our own exploitation. But I also really enjoyed how when you presented it the other day, one of the questions you were asked was, well, should you actually do this or is just merely having the idea and proposing it enough and it, it is pretty um, it, it's a big step to take when you're like okay well now we're actually going to turn this concept into something real are you comfortable that you've made the right choice in trying to do this or are you having any second thoughts that maybe this would have been better as a as a PDF that could have been shared around and provoked these discussions without having to write any code <laughs> no I, I think actually uh, um, I mean, we, we, the decision 
has been made, hasn't been made yet. That's, that's not, we're just kind of trying different stuff. And I think by trying, you always open some interesting things that you um, kind of, um, they weren't anticipated before, at least for me. So for example, now we're trying to measure inactivity and the first and easiest thing to do was to measure basically physical activity movement. And then in the end, because of the metrics we had available with our phones, was um, we're using acceleration. And just kind of trying to understand how to use acceleration and what does that mean. It's, it's pretty interesting because in the end it was the question of, okay, um, um, there is gravity and basically just defying gravity. This is some kind of work if, if you take acceleration for um, as a metric for measuring inactivity. And it's something that I wasn't thinking about before, but it's actually, I think, and every metric that we'll try to use probably will open some kind of interesting dimension of what inactivity means and how to measure it, which it's, it's still super conceptual. In the end, we can just throw this away and whatever. We, we don't need to launch a product. I mean, it's not about that, but I think just doing that, it's actually very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it also puts you in the position of becoming like these guys who are like promoting inactivity, which again, whether you actually subscribe to that or not, it's, it's quite a nice position to take sometimes. You know, I'm somebody who believes that maybe it's sometimes better to take an extreme position in a world where chaos and is rampant to try and pull the rest of the world back towards the center or towards just thinking about something that wouldn't otherwise be possible. Do you have a, a deep interest in sort of absurd and humorous art based projects or technological projects? Is this something that you've been, are you inspired by anything in particular with this idea? I would say we, we are totally fans of, uh, of the absurd or, you know, um, here in Graz, there is a bunch of really kitsch stuff all over the place. S -s kitsch, like, yeah. somehow it's, yeah, it's a bit popula populated the city a little bit, or maybe we're, we just notice it also. Like, you know, we've been having fun looking at this, um, these weird, weird paintings on cars of bodybuilders with knives and, <laughs> and these uh, like amazing golden telephones from 18, from 1902 in, uh, in, 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 in store and shop windows and, um, stuff like that. Um, so this, I, I would say it's definitely something that I, um, work with a lot, um, and, uh, not necessarily in a working type of uh, way, but just as a part of my life, you know. I have sensibility for the, for camp, you know. Uh, it's uh, it's very, like, interesting and entertaining to me. Um, but it's, I would say it's more of a um, it, uh, impulse to take it as seriously as all other uh, aesthetic registers, not to privilege it, it anyway, you know. I wouldn't necessarily this um, uh, very seriously someone who goes to the opera, even though opera is pretty like <laughs> funny and ridiculous to me because it's it takes itself so seriously, right? Yeah. Um, but um, many people who would go to the opera would not take camp and trash as seriously. So you know, like, um, and that's that means lo losing something basically in your perception of the world, like you have less of experience because of that, not more as someone who's interested in uh, art or, you know, that's my take. 
Yeah, I felt very relaxed too this week for uh, an event that had work in the name. Um, and people have been working, but it's maybe it is something about Graz. This is my first time here, but it feels like a very relaxed place, very a bit sleepy, I would say, I which I don't think is a negative thing at all. It's it's quite nice. I mean, Goran, you live in London, I, and I live in Helsinki, which I, for me, like I often feel like the pace of Helsinki city life is just relentless and it's impossible to take a break. And nothing even exciting really happens there, but it's just like, we, it's a very like workaholic, like Protestant society. And here, um, yeah, I, I think that this this city really sort of suits this this work lab for me. Yeah, definitely, and Noin as well. I mean, I, I don't think it's a coincidence we came up with the idea of Noin in London. I mean, it's like <laughs> we're studying there. It was the pressure to do stuff, it's it's intense. People are running around the city all the time. So. Yeah, the the walk to and from the lab to where we're staying is, is like the only actual really activity I've really felt because it, physically it's just, you know, it's been nice to sort of structure the day around that. But how, how, what else are your thoughts on the week in general, some of the other people you've met, ideas, projects? Did you have expectations before you came here? And were they met or exceeded? I would say it's exactly as I imagined. <laughs> like, honestly. Um, that's just uh, my experience with these type of things that the people make the event. Um, more or less, and it's been very welcoming. I think everybody's felt comfortable. Um, and um, that that meant that um, we just um, were able to uh, work uh, and advance our stuff. Um, or, you know, also that everybody was in a position to then pick whatever uh, they needed at this point, right? And um, um, for us, it made it possible to um, kind of take this idea from uh, um, like a speculative thing to actually play with it, which we otherwise uh, would not have done it. And I think um, others like had a similar um, experience. Yeah, I like that the thing is very informal. I mean, we just sent an email and yeah. now we're here, which is amazing. Yeah. And it's technically not an application, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, I like how they um, kept keeping it very open. We, I, I, th I think nobody there knew what we were going to talk about in the next, like, next day or next hour or whatever. And they're just going to, uh, we went on as someone said something and then we kind of were together developing and stuff. I think this, that was very cool, I like that. And the hospitality has been wonderful too. I have to say like I felt very welcomed. Just, I got off the plane and somebody was waiting for me, which was amazing. And yeah, the, the food's been wonderful. I, I have to give credit to Murdoch.at for doing just fantastic work here. Yeah, it's absolutely. So, well, any uh, other thoughts, anything you'd like to add? We can wrap this up. No, <laughs> so, Noin is not yet launched, so people uh, will have to check back uh, for Noin in the future. If it, if it launches, it'll be something to come in the coming weeks or months, presumably. I would, I would say it would depend on another event like this to, uh, to, yeah, to <laughs> advance, because generally we're quite lazy people. No? <laughs> Will there be an ICO or IPO or any sort of uh, grand announcement of the Noin project? Yeah, I don't know. Might be mineable. No, 
knowing it's knowing it's not knowing it might be knowing about some somewhere in the future but uh, we're not sure about it yet great thanks a lot guys thank you Okay, that's it for Serious Introspection from the Block That Chain Work Lab in Graz, Austria. Once again, I want to thank Yogi, Gernot, and Martin from Neurate for creating such a wonderful experience and everyone who was part of this activity. Thanks for listening.